Hello and welcome to the Caffeinated Creators Podcast, the podcast that gives you a glimpse into the lives of rising video and TV creators. I'm your socially distant host, Jake Zebley, drinking a cup of coffee over Zoom with today's guest. Before I let him speak, let me give you a rundown of who our guest is. Our guest is a recently graduated journalism and political science double major from Temple University. He is an aspiring journalist. He was the president of the Temple Association of Black Journalists, while also being involved with Temple Update, The Vibe on TUTV, The Temple News, and A Broader View, all while in college. Among all of those other involvements, he's held four internships, one of which with CNN and another with MSNBC, both in their New York bureaus. He was also involved with the Klein College of Media and Communications coverage of the New Hampshire primaries, scoring an exclusive interview with Joe Biden. He's one of Temple's most talented and capable recent graduates. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Kenny Cooper. Hi, everybody. Thanks for being here, Kenny. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm hanging in there. You know, this uh, quarantine thing is, I think it's taking a toll on everybody, but, you know, trying to keep it, <laughs> trying to keep it together. I know that sounds really bad, but um, so what have you been up to among all this quarantine? Class has just finished up, but uh, what are you doing now? Yeah, so class is just finished. And I've been either annoying my parents or finishing my demo reel. So kind of balancing my two new full-time jobs. How close is the demo uh, reel to being done? Demo reel actually just finished right before our conversation. I just posted a new one to my YouTube page. So hopefully employers will see that and I can get something going. Very cool. Yeah, I got to get the feelers out there. Um, this is like a, this may seem like a, a question out of right field, but, uh, what did you have for lunch today? That's like the question I kind of always start out with, or did you lunch. not really have lunch? Didn't have lunch yet. I had a very big breakfast that I made myself. Uh, what was it? A lot of time. It was, uh, eggs, toast, bacon, orange juice, the whole thing. And <laughs> it took me a long time to clean up. So sat down, ended up watching a show on Hulu. It's on Netflix. Actually, it's called what we do in the shadows. Very funny. Still in the first season. So, so that's you didn't miss out on that hearty breakfast. No, didn't miss out on the hearty breakfast, but I So don't are you home or are you still on campus? Like where are you from uh, and where did you go to high school? So I'm actually home, but I've commuted to school. I'm from Sheldonham, which is a small like suburb outside of Philadelphia. Literally I live on uh right off of Sheldonham Avenue. So once you cross Sheldonham Avenue, you're in Philadelphia. There you literally used to be a sign at the end of my block you say welcome to Philadelphia. Uh, someone crashed into that sign, so it's no longer there. But uh, yeah, so that's how far away I am from campus, not even a 15, 20 minute drive. So yeah. And where'd you go to high school? So I went to our area high school, Shawnee High School. Again, that's right off the Shawnee Avenue when you, once you go like farther to 309. And uh, pretty good high school. They had a media program there. So that's where I kind of got it. This like, whole thing started. Yeah. So what did you do in high school? Was it, did you do like the morning announcements or like, what was the type of thing that you did there? So I kind of started, uh, my, I want to say my junior year, you had this, uh, media class where you'd make like short skits, short segments, and it was like all jokes, but I really liked the class. So there was actually three levels of the course. Uh, it was a course for anybody could take. It was like an intro course. Then it was a course for people that took the intro course. And it was a senior class where you scripted both the new show and our skit show. Well, because I got into a junior year, I had to like kind of ask, could I take the senior course as well, even though I didn't get the other prerequisite. So I was taking both of those courses at the same time. And it was great. I 
won our film fest at our high school uh, with some stuff that I produced in that class. I was the anchor for our new show. So we've kind of rotated sometimes and I made skits for like our comedy show. So kind of did all of the above. And that's kind of what drew me towards just like communications and media in the first place. So you didn't know in high school right away that you wanted to be a journalist. You just enjoyed making content. Yeah, just enjoyed making content. I played sports in high school and uh, coming out of school, I kind of, even though I, when I was choosing my uh, track on my college applications, I was choosing communications towards the end just because that was where I knew it. But for a majority of high school, I thought I was going to go into the sciences. I liked biology. Uh, and if it was not the sciences, I wanted to become a teacher. That's still something I have in the back of my mind, teaching. Uh, but one thing led to another, and now I'm a journalist. So so what made you choose Temple? Like, What kind of kicks off looking at journalism and, and Temple specifically? So both my sisters went to Temple, so that's one thing. Another thing, it's really close. It's affordable. Uh, Temple has a great name, uh, especially in media and communications, so that was already stuck with me. And just in comparison to the other places I got in, none of them really had the journalism program that Temple was known for. So that was kind of the main thing that led me to Temple. And had you looked at um, any other colleges beforehand or um, and any and in any other programs as well? You said you were interested in those like teaching and yeah. biology. So. So I didn't really look at. So that's the thing. So when I was uh, kind of deciding what track I wanted to go to, whether it be biology or history or being a teacher or something like that. That was all in the very beginning of senior But once I was getting all that down, I was mainly looking at their communications programs. So I got accepted to Drexel, looked at their communications program. There wasn't really like a big thing with them. Uh, I got a full ride to Howard. They also have a good journalism program. So when I was making my decision, it was between Temple and Howard. Uh, other schools, I believe I also, uh, to Villanova as well but like I said at the end of the day it just came down to who had the biggest bang for your buck and at the time still is now it's Temple University. So when you got to Temple what was the first activity that you got involved with? Um, I believe it was TABJ so I was kind of kind of split in between the Temple News and TABJ just because those are the first things that I saw when I was doing my own like due diligence of what I wanted to join those are the first things. So uh, that and also the vibe at Temple. So I kind of got into the vibe at Temple because there were members of TABJ that were also involved in the vibe at Temple. So those are the big three things that I jumped in kind of immediately. And what did you do at the vibe? So at the vibe, I was the uh, artist correspondent. So I would go interview like a local artist and they would kind of give me background or whatever uh, their story was and also whatever projects they were working on. So, for example, I interviewed a producer for The Roots. So he kind of showed, like, told me uh, his story about how he was a member and how uh, he kind of helped with certain albums and what his uh, creative kind of processes. And it kind of, it, it was that similar kind of tone that I had with every single person I, I uh, interviewed for the Vibe at Temple. It was pretty good. That's really cool. So I, the total activities that you did, did you do anything outside of media? So you said you did like the four that you listed to me, but other than that, did you do like any club sports or anything like that? Or was it just all media? It was all media. It was all me. I mean, I did when some of my friends had events that, uh, that were associated with other 
activities. Like I went to a couple, uh, what is it? The debate club. I went to a couple of their meetings uh, just because my friend was involved and he was just like, you know, you should just come and watch how we do this. So those, those are the most of the times when I would kind of wander away from what I was doing. That was the main thing. Uh, but yeah, not really. Just more extracurricular. So I'm playing basketball at Pearson or something like that. Nothing organized though. Yeah, just having fun. Yeah. So you kind of mentioned that you got involved with those classes in high school, but what really got you involved in like broadcasting? What really like sparked your interest to make you become a journalist? So what led me to in high school was the fact that I kind of always liked watching the news. So my mom, whenever she would be like, oh, you guys have a bedtime or you guys have this, she'd be like, you guys can watch the news though, or you guys can do this though. So I always had like an interest in media just because that was what I was kind of most attracted to, whether it just be the news or whether it be a television show, uh, was always watching something. Uh, it kind of grew to journalism because that was what I was kind of leaning towards in high school when I was into those clubs. So even though I made skits for the sketch show and I also put stuff in our uh, film festival, uh, I was still the anchor of the news show. I was still cr creating rundowns. I was the producer, so I would create the rundowns, put the show together two times. You know, you know the stuff, like, you know the drill. So, but what kind of led me to this in college was more of just the people around me. I liked what everyone was doing. And that's also a good benefit of Temple Journalism Program is that it was other students also inspiring me. So whether it be the people in TABJ that were also in the journalism track or our local PABJ chapter, which is the Philadelphia Association of Black Journalists. Um, that's what kind of led me more towards broadcast. But the reason why when you asked me earlier, like to complete the sentence, do I want to be an aspiring what? I don't always say broadcast journalists just because uh, I like all aspects of the news. I like all, like, uh, all aspects of journalism, whether it be writing, whether it be behind camera, whether it be in front of the camera. So sometimes I'm just wary about putting myself in a box as to like, I just want to do this. But at the end of the day, I still lean broadcast just because I like the visual aspect of storytelling. No, you can't, of course, put yourself in a box because that it's that's not how the industry works. So yeah. I totally understand that. Why are you in broadcasting still what made you go through college and i you know obviously tabj it seems like that had a large impact on the people around you but what made you like confirm i want to be a journalist um if there was a pivotal moment i don't not everybody has those moments but or if it was just kind of like i really enjoy this like the more and more you did it the more you enjoyed it you know what i do think there is a pivotal moment so i kind of got in the temple update a bit late i was tagging for a couple people's stories my junior year but for the most part I've completely stayed out of Temple Update for most of college and when I kind of jumped into like head first senior year by anchoring the sports desk but also reporting the first story that I did was an election story with uh, the mayor's opponent Billy Changalini and then the mayor so kind of just going head first into election coverage and just kind of like doing everything, okay, a minute 30 package, you need it done by this time and a deadline, but also the prep that goes into it. I like the research behind journalism where I'm kind of rereading re old articles that was written on this guy or 
I'm watching his old YouTube videos where he made like ads with like a corny green screen behind him. He's making like songs and jingles about how much he hates a policy in Philadelphia. So, I mean, even though that's really goofy, it's more just like the storytelling aspect that got me, it got me sucked into that one moment where I was just like, you know what, this is really fun. I got to have this conversation with this guy uh, who's running for mayor in the fourth largest city in America. And then also the incumbent mayor just come almost immediately after that. And it's, I think the responsibility that comes with that is kind of partially, like partially my motivation. You see a lot of distrust in the media these days and some of that is warranted, but some of it isn't. And uh, to be one of those professions where everything you do has some importance and you have to understand the value of what you're doing. Uh, it always, I just want to make sure that what I'm doing matters and not matters to everyone else. Oh, he's on TV, so he's important, blah, 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 blah. That's not what I mean. What I mean by that is doing a, being involved in a profession where you can actually change the world in a positive manner. So journalists is just one of the many professions where uh, what you do on a daily basis matters. And it can have a great impact on someone if you do it well, and it can have a negative impact on someone if you do it poorly. So that's also one of the things that drew me to this profession. So speaking of the political coverage, as I mentioned in the intro, you uh, you got an interview with Joe Biden. Uh, so Klein College Meeting Communications sent some people up to New Hampshire to cover the New Hampshire primaries um, when that was happening. And uh, tell me about that. What was what was it like doing that political coverage and you know being able to speak with the presidential candidate or presumable so, presidential candidate. Yeah. So if the mayor's covering the municipal elections in Philadelphia was like the foundation for why I wanted to continue with this, then the New Hampshire coverage was just like the icing on the cake. Like to go into a state that I've never been, and I'm, not, I'm someone that doesn't really travel. So I've literally been to Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, and Maryland. Never been on a plane before. And all of a sudden, they expect me to fly on a plane for five days to go cover an election in a city I've never been in, on like the biggest election, arguably, of our lifetimes. I mean, they say that about every election, but for now, this is the biggest election. So um, we landed there, and it's just rapid fire. It's, okay, go to this event. And the fact that we're not necessarily tied to our classmates and the people that we were going on a trip with is also adds more pressure because now it's just like you can't wander around and just not come back on anything and it's the fact that they sent me and one other person through TUTV I can't just go up there and then come back with a goose egg like <laughs> that can't happen so it's literally just day after day so one day I'm at a Bill Weld event and uh immediately after we're jumping into the van and in the, in the middle of it all we're seeing <laughs> giant Tulsi Gabbard uh, billboards and small like Bill Weld like signs and you got a bunch of Trump protesters all in the middle of this then Trump brings a rally to the capital of New Hampshire the same night that Joe Biden is literally blocks away and it's just like this perfect storm of political like nerdiness so if you're into politics like that's where you want it to be during that time whether it be at a big event or something like that so to get to the joe biden thing which was actually the uh day before the election so it was on a monday and 
the itinerary was kind of laid out for us. It was, you had these several events to go to, but uh, the thing about that day was that we were supposed to get press passes for the Trump event. Turns out we were limited at five. Granted, a lot of people wanted to go and they were saying, if you don't have an event, you have to get a regular ticket, we can, which we can get for you. Um, and you'll have to sit in the crowd. I'm not trying to do that. <laughs> That's not going to happen. I can't wait outside. That's not safe for me uh, to be in that environment as a journalist without a press pass, without being near security, knowing how heated things are. I decided to go anyway and just go outside with a couple of people, interview some people, and then head right to Biden's thing. Uh, one thing led to another, and we're kind of trapped in this area because there were Secret Service escorts trying to like block off stuff and police trying to block off one angle. And then you had these metal barricades trying to move the crowd around. And I'm like, we're not going to make it to the Biden thing. This sucks because now we can't get into either event. But we make our way out. We hop into Uber. It's me, Connell, who also does Temple Update, and a grad student who happened to be with us. Um, and we get to Biden's event. And here's the good thing about being in New Hampshire for five days. We met a lot of people, most of whom I do not remember, but they remember Temple being there. So when we got to the press entrance of the Biden event, I'm thinking, oh, they're not going to let us in. There's a signing table. <laughs> we're like, we're not getting in. Until so we get to the table and they're like, oh, you guys registered for the event. And immediately after someone says that, someone behind the table's like, oh, those are Temple students. I've seen them everywhere in uh, New Hampshire. Come on in. And they just invite us in. And not only do they invite us in, they're like, do you need a place to put your camera? Here, we can give you this position front and center, right in front of <laughs> Vice President Biden. So already, I, this huge smile on my face, I would have been happy with just that. And the way that the event was set up, it was like a really small, intimate space in the gym. And uh, the press was surrounding the press and the audience was surrounding Vice President Biden like a circle. So when he came in, he kind of entered into this small hole in the circle, walked all the way around, kind of did his little victory lap with his wife, uh, Joe Biden, then he spoke. So at the end, he went around that circle once more, but this time he was stopping, shaking hands with everybody, and he took a really, really long time. So I'm shooting a stand-up, I get some shots of him shaking hands, and I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. I'm hyped, I'm like, this is really good. We got stand-ups in. We got to cover two events in one, literally in a brief few hours, even though I didn't think we would be able to make it. And uh, people that were with shook hands with Vice President Biden. Normally, I just don't do that just because I'm usually just trying to get in and get out. It's not really like like a thing that I do. But because we uh, covered almost every single campaign, he was literally the last person we covered. I'm like, I'm going to go shake his hand. Like, what is that going to hurt no one else's like they're still recording stand-ups for whatever package they're going to make I can go over there and shake his hand so I go over there and I say we're from Temple University blah 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 blah, blah. I give him the whole spiel you're the last person we covered uh thank you and I shake his hand and I'm literally about to turn away almost and he pulls me in and it's just like would you like an interview and his press person that was with him her jaw dropped my jaw dropped. We actually caught it on camera because Connell was shooting a stand-up and I'm in the background. So you can see the entire thing. And my jaw is like this. And I'm like, I, I like literally pull back. And I'm like, yeah. And then he's just like, well, she'll set it up for you. We can be back there, blah, 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 blah. 
and I literally run to the camera and me and Connell and the grass team were just freaking out in front of the camera. Like, they're like, are you kidding me? Don't play with it. I'm like, I'm not playing. So one thing led to another, we get pulled backstage behind the entire gymnasium in this little hallway. Uh, Duck Lowe, who's his uh, national press secretary, came through and was just like, let me fix your tie, blah, 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 like, you're good. His older press team must have also noticed, and they were really upset, and we could tell, because they were just like, who said yes to this? They were like, why are you guys back here? And then his younger press team was like, well, by an accident interview, they said, he what? We could overhear him in the hallway. They were shocked. They came back in and was like, you guys are just allowed one question. So we at, Biden came in. We asked him a question. He gave a really long two-minute answer. And it just, that whole experience kind of just made that entire trip, made the entire trip. And just the opportunity to do something like that when there were, CNN was there, uh, Fox News was there, and nobody else got to talk to the vice president besides Temple Update, besides myself. It was just, it was a crazy moment. And it was just so much adrenaline pumping in through me that when, like, it was freezing outside. Didn't even have my coat on. I just was carrying it, not caring about anything. And then we even got to a point where we had to walk home from a place. It was like a mile or two, again, freezing. But who cares? Just interviewed the vice president. How can this, how can I ruin my night with just having to walk home? That's awesome. So, yeah. That's so cool. I've never actually heard that entire story. Yeah, it was a great moment. Great moment. How was the trip overall? I mean, obviously that topped it all off, but, and, you know. Yeah. Like I said, it was just the connections that you made with people. So, whether it be going to a Yang rally and seeing how passionate uh, the Yang gang actually is in person, and not just like a caricature of through the media, oh, they're a bunch of tech people, they're just a bunch of young people that are fixated only a thousand dollars no these are real people and same thing goes with literally every single candidate's group of people whether it be uh Tulsi Gabbard's people or Elizabeth Warren's people or Bernie Sanders people or Biden's people they were all very passionate about their candidate and what their candidates stood for and I think we also went to the New Hampshire Democratic Party the Shaheen McIntyre lunch club dinner and that's where all the candidates kind of converge to kind of give a, a stump speech in a, in a sense. So everybody who's a fan of that candidate was there. And when I got there, part of my coverage for that event was just to talk to someone from everybody's campaign. And literally, you learn so much, not about just the voters, but also about the candidate themselves, knowing what type of people they attract, whether it be Pete Buttigieg is very, like a lot of his supporters were very animated. A lot of people just assume like, oh, it's just the Sanders people that really, they're really uh, enthusiastic about the candidate. No, when we were at that event, Pete, uh, Pete Buttigieg's like, supporters were really, really, really excited about hearing Pete Buttigieg. Same thing with Amy Klobuchar. I mean, people were yelling in this, like, I'm not sure if it was like a stadium, but it was as loud as a sports game. Like, with just one group of, of supporters just yelling. And it's just like, day it was something new, whether it be, Every day was also a new obstacle, whether it be, oh, how are we going to get from this place to another place? It was just, I don't know. It was probably the best prep I had to actually be, do real journalism as a Temple student. So That's incredible. Yeah. So why don't you tell me about some of that real journalism you've done? So as I mentioned before, you, you work with CNN and MSNBC. What, what You said you had two other internships as well. What were those? Yeah, so I had 
the first internship that I had at Temple was actually NBC Sports Philadelphia. And great experience. It's based in the Wells Fargo Center. So I had it during Sixer season and Flyer season. So every other night that I was there, it was a game going on. And even though I was working three days a week, to be able to go down before a Sixers game and watch someone shoot footage about and the way that they had the office set up for the beginning of the internship changed. So once it was near the end, you were sitting with the entire team. So I sat in the Sixers section just because that's where ooh, the people that I was sitting happened to be sitting by initially. But it helped me see what their content creators were doing behind the scene for socials, for not just broadcast, because the broadcast people were pretty cut and dry. I mean, you have a show beforehand, you have to show halftime, you have to show after the show. But to see the people like, oh, I'm going to make this cool highlight video. Oh, I'm going to get this shot of Joel Embiid under the free throw line when the lights hit. Or I know that the fire that they pump out of the Sixers stadium, like at the tunnel, I know that shot is going to be cool. So let me get that shot. And it, to see someone sit there and cut it up and also pay atten- have to pay attention to the game as it's going on to make sure that everything they have in it is relevant was just great experience. And also just to be able to go down to the locker room and watch reporters interview players with these press conferences after the game. And you're hearing the players give their whole, you know, boring, <laughs> oh, this is what happened to the game. You know, it's generic, but I mean, it's so cool. So it's just like, I could have got this answer playing NBA 2K with my, my career player, but you know, this is cool too. And that was the first internship that I had. And right after that, immediately after, because I believe the NBC Sports one was in uh, the fall 2018, in the winter of slash spring of 2019, it was uh, Fox 29. And I worked on Good Morning Philadelphia Weekend. And the good thing about working on the weekend shift was that it gave me a lot of room to fail because that they were a lot more welcoming to the interns actually having an input. So now you're not in the way per se, because if you work during the weekday on a busy morning show, like they don't always have time to just focus on the interns and be like, you know what, uh, you do the research for this segment. Or you know what, we need to find something. Let's let the intern do it. So being on the weekend shift allowed me to do that. And also the people that worked on the weekend shift at Fox Me Now were just great. Whether it be the on-air talent or the people behind the scenes, all of them were so great to helping me like find a voice in terms of what I wanted to say. They'd be like, oh, we're having a segment. You know what? Why don't what Kenny the intern come on in and tell us what you think about this health drink that someone brought in? And it's just like to be put on the spot like that every weekend, it, it, it prepares you and they understand that. And I think that was a great internship. And then for the summer immediately after that, I was at I was uh do a fellowship at NBC News and uh uh MSNBC. That's where I was interning this summer, this past summer. And tell me like what'd you work on there? What was that like? So I was on the assignment desk, you know, it was a full 40 hour work week and it was probably the hardest experience I've had as a student at Temple, just because it was new city. I'm living there for the summer and I haven't done assignment desk work per se. So I've been placed on the assignment desk and it's just like, if the phone rings, the thing will be right back. No, but to be put on the assignment desk and say, um, someone's calling about IFB and PL numbers, and I'm like, what is that? <laughs> and they're just like, well, you just have to write it down and then just we'll work. And it was kind of just being like pushed into the fire. And I'm sometimes that works for me. 
in terms of like a learning strategy, like just being thrusted into it. But sometimes that was really difficult for me, especially there. And it's like, it's a full work day and they don't always have time to train. I didn't get uh, the like full training benefits that I think that maybe probably would have helped me. And the fact that they had a returning intern, the only other intern at the desk had been there before. And it seemed like there was a huge gap in between me and the other intern. It was a really hard experience to work there, but it was still viable nonetheless because of the amount of work I had to do, whether it be, I learned what social discovery is, like social discovery, trying to find people's Instagram accounts uh, who are involved in a story or trying to find Snapchat footage from a map because there's a storm happening over Iowa and you need footage for it. So just being, doing stuff like that and also logging stuff and not a quick log, but a complete we need buy them. We need like everything perfect for this law because we're going to send it to our digital teams and our recording teams and our TV teams. And we're going to put into broadcast. So everything needs to be right. And I'm just like, uh, I don't know what to do. Um, <laughs> I just got here. <laughs> so it was like a series of things like that, but because it was through a fellowship and because at the end of the day, they still understood I was an intern. It was these little like learning moments where they'd be like, you know what? we're going to take the time to teach you about this or when someone calls about this, and even though a lot of the stuff, because news outlets have two types of assignment desks. There's editorially driven assignment desks and there's production driven assignment desks. NBC and MSNBC have a production driven assignment desk where I'm handling the logistics. So I'll handle a story only to the point of contact. So it's just like something just happened. You need to contact the fire and the fire department of this local county fast bring us the information then we'll send it to digital they have it from there and that was really hard for me just because i was so interested in the story i'm like this is interesting can i make a call on this it's like no uh, we'll just send it to digital and there wasn't really like opportunities but that also kind of because you're focusing more on the logistics is now just like someone has to do these three hits and within an hour and they need information. So I need to pass them information along when it's just like, it's a completely different learning environment than I had at any of the previous internships. So all in all, and the people that I got to talk to there, whether it be on air talent, the people that worked at the assignment desk with me were all great. Like, it was just like, you need something, we can help you out with that. Or, oh, you want to learn how to do this? We can help you out with that. And it even, it was so great to the point where this semester before I did my internship at CNN, they emailed me about the social discovery thing. It was just like, we need interns and we know that you've done this before. Uh, how would you like to return for us? And I was just, it was just great to notice that they, they noticed what I did a, a semester, two semesters before, because they contacted me about the spring and I was working there in the summer. And it was just like the fact they kind of still knew who I was. They just like, oh, you need this opportunity. Uh, we need some help. Would you like to come back? It was great. That's awesome. Now, what about CNN? So, I mean, so, I've, same type of thing, same type of work? No, actually, I was also on the assignment desk, but that goes back to that whole editorially driven or produ production driven. Uh, CNN is an editorially driven assignment desk. So we have assignment editors and they're actually writing stories. So they're not just, oh, let me just handle this photographer and this reporter out in the field. It's, oh, let me also do this story. Let me also chase this story. So my role, and because uh, my role is so similar to that, I'm like, I'm doing more of the story chasing. So now it's just, not only do we just want you to get this information, we want you to follow through up 
with it throughout the day and you might get a chance to write something on it. And it was just a completely different take on what I had experienced before on the entirely different end of the spectrum. Now it's just, you're not handling the logistics per se, you're handling the actual editorial content and trying to make decisions on the fly about, is this important from a log? Because now I'm actually not, now I'm just not writing it. It's not just, oh, make this log. And it's important logistically for us to, for the, right now it's editorial decisions. We want a rough log, but now what we want you to do is you tell us what the most important information is. You tell us what we need to take out from this. So um, that was an entirely different feel. And they also, like NBC and MSNBC, they gave me a lot of room to kind of be myself in the newsroom and make my own decisions. Then they'll tell me what I need to work on. It's, oh, I think you should have contacted this person first. And then I'm applying that next time. Or just like, that was a great job you reaching out to that person and putting this in your notes that this was there. It was great. They also allowed me to do a field production on the NBA 2K League draft. And I was like, this is crazy. Like, I'm really out here with my own photographer. I'm producing the piece, doing a stand-up. And it was just the fact that they gave, had, allowed, had that trust in me that I could go out there and perform their duties was great. And then towards the end of the intern, I was writing more. I wrote a story about Lady Gaga's dad not wanting to pay rent to the MTA in Grand Central Station. Ridiculous story. I got yelled at by the MTA uh, rep. He was pissed at me. And I'm just like, sir... I'm just an intern. <laughs> I don't understand what you want from me. And yeah, so it was just a great experience. And because I was still doing classes at Temple, it was a commute that was also difficult. So it was two hours there, two hours back. So I'd go up on a Friday morning, come back Friday night, wake up on a, early on a Saturday morning, come back on a Saturday night. And then my weekend is a Sunday and a Monday. And then I had to do Temple update throughout the West, rest of the week only to come back and do CNN on Fridays and Saturdays. All in all, it was a great end to my Temple experience. The fact that I was able to finish with CNN, it was just crazy. So even though you may be done with those now, and you kind of mentioned that you were working on your demo reel in the beginning, what other projects are you working on right now? Are you working on anything? So yes and no. So before the whole pandemic started, I was actually doing a podcast in addition to the stuff I was doing at CNN. It was just a relaxed sports podcast. I like sports enough to talk about it. Uh, so I was just kind of talking about basketball on right after a production meetings for Temple Update on a Wednesday night. And once that ended, I haven't had anything to do besides look for jobs and do this. But more recently, my mom was literally just having this conversation with me. She was like, why don't you do a podcast again? Why don't you do this again? So who knows? Uh, I already have some ideas written down about what I think it's going to be on and what I would be looking to do because I don't know how long the stay-at-home order is going to last. And I don't know when this job market is going to go back to normal. Yeah, nobody does. A lot of places just, yeah, I've gotten at least six job applications sent back to me. Literally just like, we're not hiring. We're freezing the position. We'll let you know when we're opening this position back up again. And it, it hurts wow. a lot because it's just like, you send out 10 applications, it gets six sent back to you. Literally two weeks later, it's just like, well, dang, like I spent four years doing this. I literally had, I, I thought I had a good senior year. I was really excited about the work that I did just to have people be like, we understand the situation. We liked you. We liked your work that you've done, but 
corporate is telling us that we have to kind of pull back on hiring. It, it stings a little bit, but I understand the whole situation. And the, obviously the most important part is that everyone's safe. But in terms of other projects, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Working Aim for those brand deals, man. <laughs> so where are you looking to work? So in those job applications, like what were some of the places that you applied to? If you don't mind talking about them. Oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. So I applied to, of course, for every journalism, broadcast journalism major. If you're not familiar with it, you're listening now. The normal route is you go small market, medium market, big market. So I was applying to places like out in South Carolina or small TV stations out in Northern California or uh, upstate New York or uh, rural PA. I was applying to those types of stations, but I was also applying to like fellowships at national outlets because even though I like broadcast journalism, the work that I kind of consume the most, the media that I can consume the most, is usually not broadcast. It's places like NPR or places like PBS and WHYY, like, even though it's like radio, or it may happen to be this, it's not always a traditional, like stand up reporter news, but also apply to those entry level positions that are at larger stations and larger markets. Because they're like trainee programs. And I was just like, I got a temple update late. And even though I can say, Oh, I interviewed the mayor, or I interviewed this, I interviewed the vice president. I still don't think I'm all the way there. I'm obviously not a finished product. So to be able to go to a larger station and watch the way they do things and kind of test the waters a little bit and still hone my journalism skills, also because I'm, I'm a city person. I like the city. I like the suburbs. Rural life really isn't for me. That was also why I applied to those. So it's kind of a mixture of fellowship programs and national outlets, uh, MMJ positions at smaller markets, but also training positions at large markets. So those are the, the three main things that I applied for. So say you get into like a smaller media market and then, you know, you kind of spend a couple of years there. What's your ultimate like end goal? Like what's the dream job in your mind? Um, dream job? Ah, I don't know. Like, again, this could be <laughs> people tell me I'm just really indecisive. So I think that's one of the things is just the fact that I have a whole bunch of things in mind where, of course, I want to do investigative and political journalism as like my goal. So. I'd probably want to like host or anchor a show where we'd be doing that. We'll be, be doing long form investigative political pieces, but I also would, wouldn't mind being a producer for an NPR show or being a reporter for a place like 6ABC or NBC 10. Like I don't know yet what the dream job is. I just know that I want to be making content that, I enjoy. And, and that's understandable. Just, it's it's hard, yeah. especially in, in the direction that the industry is going. It's hard to say like, I want to have this because that may not exist, you know? Right, right. And that's the, that's the thing. It's just like talking to these news directors sometimes and it's just like, they expect a Swiss army knife out of college that can produce a show, anchor a show, report on a show and cultivate stories for $25,000 a year. And it's just like, sir, <laughs> ma'am I can't I can't do all those things in a place and it's it's scary because I mean you have to be able to do this as a journalist and that's part of the, the leap that you have to take and like you have to have kind of like a belief in yourself that you can do those things but also you have to be realistic it's just like I won't be able to do those things and the fact they expect you to be this super versatile 
I can throw him in front of a screen of plasma and he can talk about this and also go live, which is one of my weak points, I believe. I'm not the greatest at live. And it's just like, I don't know. It's like, I don't, I don't know yet. I haven't been doing this long enough to say, you know what, I feel comfortable doing this. Or, you know what, I think my bread and butter is this. I don't know. And I just know that I want to be doing something in media. I want to be doing something in journalism. And for now, for now, it's like a reporter job is the thing on my mind or anchor job is the thing on my mind. But that can change. Like that can, that can change easily. I will still have an interest in journalism. But like you said, you don't always know what opportunities are going to be in front of you. So that's like the hard part in trying to balance that. Okay, I want to do this. I want to be in journalism and I want to be broadcast. And it's like the broadcast jobs may not always be there. Just like the newspaper jobs, newspaper jobs can drop like this. Like you had entire newspaper jobs in entire cities just collapse due to this COVID-19 outbreak. And all those people that thought they had their job secure, who thought it was just like, they're, not, they're never going to shut us down. We've been a newspaper running since like the early 1900s just to go out of business in a month. It's wild. So that's why I, I don't know. Like it's, there's so much uncertainty. So... What do you have to say to people? <laughs> Just in general? or That's like a very open-ended question for that's, that's like a specific reason. But what do you have to say to people? And usually what I, how I follow that question up, if you don't know how to answer it, is um, is there a mantra that you live your life by? Is there any type of advice that you have? Just anything. The mic is yours now. Yeah. I mean, I want to tell the truth. I don't want to tell a lie. So what I have to say to people is always going to be the truth. You know, like your reputation means a lot and not just your reputation, your integrity. So whether you're doing journalism or whether you're any other profession, your integrity means so much. And it's literally the currency that you have between other people. Like if you don't have any inter integrity, no one's going to trust you to be able to do anything. So I want to make sure that everything I'm telling somebody is the truth. And secondly, to add on to that, I want to make sure that it matters. I'm not just telling you, Oh, this one thing happened today, it's true. And just giving you just the straight facts, because sometimes you need more than that. And it needs to matter. It needs to say, okay, I'm telling you this true thing, but it's of great importance. And it's up to people like you that are watching to do something about this. And that's what I want to make sure. So whether I'm writing a news article or whether I'm fronting a piece on a stadium being built in Philadelphia, I want to make sure that what I'm telling someone is the truth and that the truth that I'm telling them actually matters. Very well said. Trust is Thank the you. trust Thank is you. the currency. It is. It is. So obviously this podcast is called Caffeinated Creators. Are you a big coffee guy? Uh, no, not a big coffee guy, even though Wawa is like <laughs> the destination for everyone in Philadelphia and the surrounding suburbs. I do not drink coffee at all. <laughs> that's okay me, i've, I've had wrong. other people on the show who don't drink coffee that's okay um so then like what's your caf if you need caffeine which i'm assuming like if you don't drink coffee you don't have it on a consistent basis yeah what is your go-to caffeinated drink then probably a soda if i do go soda it's usually just like for a sugar rush it's just like let me get this drink this entire bottle of sprite and then crash on a soda rush like an hour after doing an article, but it's usually just like Dr. Pepper or something like that. I don't go for it a lot, but when I need caffeine, it's usually like a dark colored soda that usually does it for me. 
and that's usually like for when you need a article rush <laughs> yeah when i need an article rush when i'm staying up late to write an article it's usually something with caffeine that gets me going how many cups of coffee do you think you've had in your entire life then uh i want to say like two okay <laughs> probably just with like people offering me coffee and me pretending to drink it uh-huh and drinking enough sips where it amounts to two cups of coffee is you're probably... at some sort of fancy event and they are like so you want a cup of coffee yeah of course yeah, or i pick up something and there's just like here and i'm just like okay yeah never mind <laughs> never mind let me put this in the trash when no one's looking do you have anything else to say um i don't think so i mean it it's really i'm just speechless about this whole thing this whole outbreak that's going on is really not much to say that hasn't been said. Like we're all stuck in the house. Some people are going through financial issues. Some people are going through uh, psychological issues, just being cramped in. Uh, so it could be really like damaging to a lot of people's mental health being cramped in. So there's really not much to say other than just like stay safe, both physically, make sure you don't get sick and mentally, like make sure that you're reaching out to people, make sure that the proper people are reaching out to you, make sure that you're getting whatever mental boost that you need uh, to kind of stay sane during this time of uncertainty. Well, that's it for our show today, ladies and gentlemen. Follow Kenny on Twitter at underscore Kenny Cooper JR and on his Instagram at Kenny underscore Cooper JR. Follow Caffeinated Creators on Instagram and Twitter at CAF Creators and follow myself on Instagram and Twitter at Jake Zebley. Signing off saying stay socially distant. This is Jake Zebley for Caffeinated Creators.